0: On the crowded booth with Bryce Coon. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of our college football preview. I'm here alongside Palmer Toms. You've seen him on our live show, you've seen him on Twitter. Palmer, first off, we appreciate you coming on, man. Has it, uh, I know you, you, you've moved back in, you're in Athens. Is the, I'll ask you this, is the feeling around campus on the student perspective and for you covering it as well, I mean, is this something uh, that people are getting excited to have college football back, especially in a great college town like Athens?
1: Oh, absolutely. You know, the the application for student tickets went out last week. Everyone was anxiously awaiting that, trying to figure out whether they were going to have to buy a ticket to the Clemson game off the mm-hmm. secondary market or they were getting one through the school, so it's football season's right around the corner, and, and uh, you know there's certainly a lot of talk around the town of of this big game that's coming up on here here on September fourth.
0: And I want to lead off with that because this game is something where a lot of people can put a lot of stock into what happens week one. But we know, and I think we've talked about it before, the road for Georgia to make an SEC title and a national championship does not begin and end in Charlotte week one whatever happens, that next Monday there's going to be a lot of stories out there talking about, hey, you know, Georgia may not be as good as we think or something like that. Would you just say this game is a good litmus test of where Georgia is week one rather than where they are as a program in 2021?
1: I think that's a great way to put it. I, I think – and and especially given the news that, that there's – Georgia may be down a couple players for that game based on injuries and stuff. you, you got to take week one with a grain of salt, understanding that, the Georgia team you see Week One is not going to be the same Georgia team that plays midweek, midseason against Florida, plays at the end of the season against Georgia Tech, and and if if Georgia fans are lucky, plays in an SEC championship, you know, championship setting, uh, you know, playoff setting there in Atlanta. So, I, I think that's a good way of putting it. That it's a litmus test. It's it's a great way to you know mm-hmm. see how Georgia, you know, the the potential that Georgia has to match up against some of the elite teams in college football. Clemson is certainly one of the biggest tests that they will have all season, if not the biggest. And, uh, you know, it, it's certainly going to be an opportunity for Kirby Smart and these Georgia fans to find out a lot about this football team.
0: We know uh, on the, the boards of a dogs 24 seven, which you write for and cover Georgia athletics. Uh, listen, the fans there, they're, it's a rabid fan base Palmer. This is a fan base that wants and starred for a national championship. We talked about this on our live show on Wednesday I think that the the haters, they'll say the pundits that say Georgia will never win a national championship, to me, in my opinion, you can't just say something won't happen just because it hasn't happened in a long time. Do you feel, when you just take a look at this roster at a glance, how it's constructed is championship level? We talked about uh, last night, Ralph and I on the uh, show, I feel like this is a program that has the culture. They've got the recruiting. They have the facilities. But roster construction, do you feel like it's something where you can look at it and say, yep you can point to a few key factors and say that's a championship level team. Absolutely. I mean, Georgia checks all the boxes that you can ask for.
1: You've got a returning quarterback with, with the arm talent to make plays down the field. You've got wide receiver depth at the wide receiver position, not just top end. And and, and Georgia's going to be down one of those top guys in, mm-hmm. in George Pickens, uh, you know, regardless of whether or not they get him back, they've got depth in that wide receiver room. You've got running backs, you know, a a stable full of those guys, offensive line with tons and tons of talent, and then, you know, defense wins championships is the old saying, and I don't know whether that still stands, but Georgia's certainly going to have a defense that that could win themselves a championship here in 2021. Defensive line, you know, you've got veteran presences – all across that defense, whether it's on along the defensive line with Jordan Davis and Devonte Wyatt, guys like Trayvon Walker and Jalen Carter are, are young guys that haven't necessarily had the opportunity. And and honestly, they're you know Jalen Carter's a young guy. He's he's going into his sophomore year. Trayvon Walker is not necessarily a young guy, but he hasn't had the opportunity to you know burst onto the scene. Uh, you know, at the second level, you've got Nicobe Dean, who's, who's a veteran presence there. But then you've got some guys that are emerging and, and coming into bigger roles in Channing Tindall and Quay Walker. Mm-hmm. And then in the secondary, you've got a lot of talent, not a ton of experience. Uh, and, and on the back end, you've got Louis Cien, who's, who, you know, certainly is a vocal and physical presence for this defense. Like I said, I think Georgia checks all the boxes in in what you're looking for in a championship caliber roster it's just a matter of going out on the field on Saturdays this fall and and getting it done and putting themselves in a situation where they have an opportunity to go out and win that championship
0: obviously comes down to execution let's talk a little bit more about the offensive side of the ball Um, I think it's safe to say that ever since that Cincinnati game I don't think there was much question on who the starting quarterback would be coming into 2021 JT Daniels firmly entrenched there this is a team that averaged around 424 yards per game last season a little over 32 points, that's really good. But when you talk about how offenses have changed, Palmer, a lot of the criticism for Kirby Smart & Company has come, hey, they still have this mid-2010s, early-2010s mindset. We're going to pound the ball, pound the ball. Meanwhile, across the rest of the SEC, we've seen kind of that adoption of something new. Todd Munkin in his second year, and I'll say still in his first, really, because his first year was quite the one. He didn't get the full spring, didn't get all these opportunities to work with the guys. Is that something Georgia's fans can expect to see the ball spread out a little bit more, see more vertical threats, while also still utilizing a team that has its five returning rushers and added some other ones to the mix? They're going to run the ball, but could we see more emphasis on JT Daniels allowing him to uh, kind of you know spread the ball around?
1: Yeah, like you said, this is Georgia. They're going to run the ball that you know kirby smart is a physical guy he wants to have a physical presence and and offensively that starts with the ability to run the ball you can't put yourself behind the chains you know in in second and long third and long situations and and the best way to get into a second and short third and short situation and and sometimes even move the chains is is to be able to run the ball you know for four five six yards a pop and and george's got the guys that can do that you know between zamir white kendall milton James Cook, Kenny McIntosh, uh, Dejon Edwards showed in, in bursts last season uh, <clears throat> that he was capable of doing it. Georgia's going to run the ball and, and they've got the talent on the offensive line. that They're still going to run it. But like you said, they, they've in, in years past, they've kind of been stuck in that mid two thousands offensive mindset of mm-hmm. we're going to rely on the run and, and football has changed so much where offenses are spreading it out and the, and the elite teams, you know, the, to me, I think about the last two years in the SEC. You saw 2019 LSU make that jump, and 2020 Alabama was a historical team. What was it that did it for them? And it, it was their ability to get the ball downfield in a hurry through the air. And, and Georgia certainly has the ability, capability to do that this year. With, like I said, JT Daniels with that arm strength, very talented quarterback. He's much more comfortable in the system now. Uh, both physically and mentally, and than he was this time last year. You know, he was coming off of an ACL injury, a, a tough knee injury. As much as that, you know, is is hard to overcome physically. You've got to overcome that mentally as well. You've got to feel comfortable in in your ability to move around the pocket, and your ability to step up and avoid pressure. He he feels that now. He feels that, and and with a second year under Todd Munkin as the offensive coordinator, he's just got so much more comfort. With his ability at the line of scrimmage to change plays, and and the guys around him have the, that comfort. And, and then going back to like what I was talking about earlier with the wide receivers, you've got depth and upon depth upon depth. Like we said, George Pickens, whether or not we see him this year is still up in the air. Coming off of a torn ACL that he suffered in the spring, he's still with the team, and I think that's very encouraging for Georgia fans. You know, you thinking about Georgia's you know injuries and, and stuff along those lines. That that occurred in March. Give mm-hmm. him proper time, and he, he could be back come November, and and you could be seeing him potentially make his debut twenty twenty one debut against Florida in in Jacksonville. Maybe the week after against a Missouri team that he's had their number uh, the last couple of seasons. You know you could see George play. They've got Eric Gilbert who's who's going through some of his own issues right now, uh, and and you know off the field. That's that's going to be a situation to monitor, but if he's out there, he's another weapon, and and someone that can fill those shoes of of what they're missing with Pickens and a big-bodied guy that can go up and, and make those 50-50 plays. Behind those guys, you've got Jermaine Burton who's returning, Kyrus Jackson who actually led the team in yards and receptions last year. And people forget that, and, and so – you know between those two guys, you've got guys that are coming off of injuries in, in Marcus Rosamy Jack Saint, who was a, coming on strong as a true freshman. Dominic Blaylock, who had a great true freshman year back in 2019, missed all of last season. He should be coming back. You know, you've got these guys. Arian Smith is a guy who battled his way back from an injury last year and, and made an impact late in the season. You're just looking for them to continue to grow into the players that Georgia expects them to be. And if they do, Georgia's got tons and tons and tons of talent. It, like JT Daniels said it the best to me. There's only one ball here, and his job is to find get that ball to those playmakers mm-hmm. and let them make the plays he's not He's not the kind of quarterback that's going to make plays with his feet. He's not the kind of guy that needs to have the ball in his hands as much as he needs to be able to distribute distribute it to the guys that are going to make those plays for Georgia offensively
0: and two, it all starts up front. We've seen Georgia years past, you know they'll they'll throw up that graphic on the ESPN broadcast their offensive line size-wise arrivals, some of the NFL teams. Uh, this is an offensive line that's led by the return of Justin Schaefer, Jamari Sawyer, but they have some impressive younger guys that saw some time, But and, I, and I've been kind of reading, and so you can help us in on this as well. There's even some of these guys that redshirted last year, some of the true freshmen that they think are going to be very good that are pushing for playing time. What is the sense along the offensive line, and they have a very tough test week one against Clemson?
1: Yeah, I mean – P- quite possibly the toughest test that they will face all year in a defensive line, regardless of whether they make an SEC championship playoff setting, mm-hmm. Clemson is going to have one of the best defensive lines in the country. And and that potentially is only rivaled by Georgia's defensive line, who this offensive line is seeing each and every day in practice. And so what better way to prepare for that challenge than, than the battles that they're having in preseason camp right now. Uh, but, you know, along the offensive line, I, to me, I think, Coming into preseason camp, I think it all started with the question. Big question mark being who's going to play left tackle? Is it going to be Jamari Salyer, who started nine games there last season? He's got another start under his belt at right tackle. Um, you know, he, he's got plenty of experience there. Two starts there, I believe, actually. Um, and, and so he's he played well there at left tackle last season. The and and so. The thing about Salyer is that he is more of a true natural guard than he is a tackle. And so, if Georgia, you know, in an ideal world, Georgia finds someone that can play left tackle and and hold the position, hold their own against Clemson, against the SEC, you know, whoever they Georgia has to go up against, they find their you know replacement at left tackle. They bump Salyer into guard, and then they've got a rotation of right guards in Justin Schaefer and Tate Ratledge. I don't know that they're going to find that right now in this preseason camp especially given the injuries that have happened in the middle of the offensive line. Warren Erickson suffered a hand injury earlier in the camp and he's questionable. He's he's making his way back but you know the problem with a center is you can you can have a guard or a tackle play with a broken hand. And mm. you put a cast on that son of you know son of a gun and <laughs> and 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 you're ready to go.
0: Yeah.
1: It, you can't do that at center. You you got to be able to snap the ball, and so um, I think it now it starts and ends at center, and and you've got to be able to figure out who you got to have two guys that that you feel really comfortable in because you never know what you're going to see in that first game. Whether it's Cedric Van Praan, who the media is has, is going to have the opportunity to speak with later today, uh, I think that's an interesting storyline. There is that you know. Is he coming along in his second season? Is he making the steps that, that he can potentially be a starter? And and again, it was not solidified. That's that center position or was a position battle before Erickson's injury, and it's gonna be one after because Van Pram was gonna be pushing for playing time regardless. He was the number one center in the country in his mm-hmm. class. Um, you know, didn't probably has a higher ceiling than Warren Erickson, but didn't necessarily have the experience that Erickson did. Erickson started the last couple of games last season after Trey Hill went down with an injury. Uh, and, and so, you know, now you're looking at Van Pran at center. Jamari Salyer has experience snapping. And, and so they're looking at him there. Austin blasky is another guy who's coming along in his second year with the program. He's making steps in the right direction and pushing for playing time at center. So to me, now it starts at, it starts with figuring out center and then working your way out whether that you know, is you – know, if, if Salier wins the job at center, then obviously you've got to have someone other than him play left tackle, with that being probably Xavier Truss, Amarius mm-hmm. Mims, or Broderick Jones. Uh, those three would be the front runners at left tackle. Um, you know, if, if Van Pran wins the job and, – and I think Kirby Smart would rather have him win the job because you can then utilize Salier's abilities at guard or at tackle – and, and so then it goes back to the situation of are we putting Salier at guard and, and, you know, figuring things out at left tackle or putting him at left tackle where you know what you've got and then starting Justin Schaefer at left guard and, and Ratledge at right. So really the only position, the only starting spot that is solidified would be right tackle and Warren McClendon because I, I think there's, there's probably four guys that you know that are going to be out on the field rotating – uh, with that being Jamari Salyer, Justin Schaefer, mm-hmm. Tate Ratledge, and Warren McClendon. Now, whether Ratledge and Schaefer are splitting time at one of the guard positions and Salyer holds down the other, or those two guys are manning the two guard positions with Salyer at center or at tackle, that's to be determined. But I think I feel very confident that Georgia will play those four guys, uh, you know, whether it's in rotation or whatnot against Clemson, and and it's finding number five, number six, number seven that you feel confident in to be able to rotate and, and, and throw out there against a very talented defensive line uh, week one against Clemson?
0: It's going to be a challenge for sure. The, the good thing is that Georgia has an embarrassment of riches. They've got a lot of depth to go to in this situation. Uh, you talked about Georgia's defensive line. We were talking about Clemson's and how they may rival as the top two in the country, especially preseason. Palmer, you and I talked about kind of that Cincinnati game. We've talked about off air about this. Um, the, the, uh, the, the decision for Jordan Davis to come back just changes this whole dynamic. This was a team that was very hard to run on to begin with, and now you bring back Jordan Davis. And really an underrated piece to me was Devontae Wyatt. I mean, he got a lot of love from the Reese's Senior Bowl. Uh, he ended up deciding to stay. When you look at this front seven, we know it's fantastic. But we also know the secondary had to do a lot of patchwork through the transfer portal. We know the injury news that has come out recently about Tyke Smith. So walk me through how much will this front seven help out this young secondary? They still have you, – you've already mentioned they have Lewis Sein. They have um, – or Lewis Cine, They have Christopher Smith, who saw a lot of time because of the injuries to Richard LeCount. Uh, they also have Darion Kendrick, who's probably going to slot in one of those cornerback positions. But for some of those younger guys that have to come along and even some of them are inexperienced, how much does it help to have an experienced front seven?
1: Huge. It's huge. And and it really, like you said, it starts with Jordan Davis's decision to come back because if you can stop the run and Davis is a huge piece in doing that, he, he requires a double team. And and his saying has always been, if there's two on me, that means someone's free. Hmm. And, and most of the time that's been the Kobe Dean that's been free. and And it has led for Dean to be the leading tackler last season was a, Semifinalist for the butt kiss award trophy um he it, that that front seven if they can stop the run and, and force these offenses into passing situations where you know that you're going to be in you know dropping back into coverage a it allows georgia's pass rushers to pin their ears back and get there where they've got some talented guys there they've got adam anderson they've got nolan smith they've got like we mentioned earlier, Jalen Carter and Trayvon Walker are both very talented pass rushers. Devontae Wyatt has gotten after the quarterback, too. Uh, you know, Davis, in, in at times, he's gotten there. It, most of the times, if they're going to be in a passing situation, you're going to see him on the sideline rather than eating up a double team uh, in, in stopping the run. And, and you're going to take him off the field and put someone on the field who's very capable of getting after the quarterback. Uh, and, and so – I think that front seven is going to be a huge help for this secondary. You know, I, I think, like we said, if, if Georgia can stop the run, which they've done, at as with the best of them the last two seasons, and and really Kirby Smart's entire time, but they've been you know finished top two in the country uh, the last two seasons in at stopping the run. If if you can stop the run and know that this offense is gonna that you're facing up against is gonna be passing the ball, it makes the job a lot easier when you're not having to guess and figure out and react on the fly. You you're, you know you're dropping back in coverage. You feel confident in the guys that you got. And like we said, it's not a it's not a lack of talent. It's a lack of experience that brings about the question marks for Georgia in the secondary. Darian Kendrick is experienced, and and that's why they brought him in. He's he's faced up against the best of them. Whether that was each and every day in practice against Clemson's wide receivers or in, in college football playoff settings in a national championship against LSU, in a play semifinal game twice in a semifinal mm-hmm. game against Ohio State. Um, he's been in those situations and he's been tested. Uh, you know, ACC championship against Notre Dame, too. Uh, you know, and, and the regular season matchup against Notre Dame, Two Very talented. You know, th- there's five games right there uh, against playoff opponents. That that Kendrick has had in the last two seasons, so Georgia is is going to rely on him in the secondary to hold down one of those sides, use his experience that he's got, and to to help where they can maybe you know take a safety over the top and and shade them over to help on the other side of the field where there may be more question marks. And again, mm-hmm. it's not a it's not a question of talent. You've got mm-hmm. Keely Ringo, you've got Jalen Kimber two very talented cornerbacks that came in in the 2020 signing class. You've got Amir Speed, who's, who has the most experience out of all of them. He doesn't have as much game experience, but he's been around the program since 2017. He's, he's got practice experience. He's got reps. He knows what Kirby Smart wants in a defensive back. And so, you know, he, he, and he's also a big physical guy. So Georgia has plenty of talent in the secondary the the question isn't about that. It's about the experience and how they're going to hold up when they when they have to you know get a stop on third and third and seven, third and ten, whatever the situation may be. And and it the the front seven is only gonna help them get get to those, you know benchmarks that they want to get to.
0: And it's gonna be a litmus test game, week one against Clemson. Paul we take a look at this schedule. Uh, most notably to me, there's no Texas A&M, there's no Alabama, there's no LSU. Your true road games are Vanderbilt, Auburn, Tennessee, and Georgia Tech. And I say true because obviously Florida is that neutral site, and then you get Clemson. Georgia travels so well as a fan base. I mean, we know Clemson is going to show out in droves up to Charlotte, but I think Georgia will travel just as well um, if they keep that 100% attendance. When you look at this schedule, Palmer, obviously it's easy to circle September 4th, but if I had to ask you, what is another game, obviously Florida's there, what's another game that you think could maybe be a potential trap game, or that might, when fans look at it, they may just glance over and say, this game's actually a little bit harder than most people may think.
1: Yeah, there's a couple of them that stand out to me, and 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 obviously, like we said, that September 4th game is, is Georgia's biggest game of the season, but I think, if, especially if you lose that game, you don't have you don't have the leverage of, hey, we can we can drop one you know the, the mulligan per se where you can drop one on in in the latter half of the schedule and and feel confident about your ability to get into the playoff as a one loss team. So I think a couple matchups that stand out to me would be I I, I always think Auburn is a tough game, especially on the road. Bo Nix is a quarterback that has been around, has played against this Georgia defense before, and and it, it, he's had his problems, but he's still got tons of talent there. Mm. So yeah, that's someone that that you know going up against first year head coach, new offensive coordinator there, it's it's a little bit different than if Gus Malzahn was still there because I think Malzahn is is a guy that's been around the league and and knows how to square off against some of these teams. No. Knows the potential weaknesses of of a Kirby Smart defense or whatnot uh, has has beaten Georgia, uh, you know Brian Harson is not and so I, I think I, I I would look at that game I, like you said Florida is obviously a big one it's it's likely to decide the East these those are two big rivals Georgia's certainly out for blood given the fact that that the way that that game ended last year Florida could be coming into that game with as many as two losses I mean the, they will have played. You could make a case that they could have three because they will have played Alabama, LSU, and Kentucky before that game. I, w- I would say that Florida slips up in at least two of them. Mm, I, I yeah. think that they probably slip up in two of those games, uh, especially with LSU being on the road. Uh, you know, they-, they bring they bring Alabama to Gainesville, but that doesn't make it any easier. That doesn't no. make it any easier to beat Alabama and Nick Saban. Um, and so, you know, I I think that's a game that, that Georgia could have at least a half game, game a half advantage in the East, uh, and, and could potentially secure the East there. Uh, and and then to me, another game that I would look at, I, I mentioned Kentucky with Florida as a potential trap game, Kentucky, Kentucky is a team that plays Georgia very physically. It has given Georgia some challenges, uh, over the last couple of years. It's, it's a game that I think some fans overlook, but Curry Smart is is never going to overlook that game just because of the way that Mark Stoops gets his teams ready to play. I think the new offensive coordinator there, new quarterback, makes that an interesting team. I'm very interested to see them early in the season, especially that week two against Missouri. And then mentioning Missouri brings me to the final game there uh, that I would circle as a potential trap game falling right after Florida on the schedule. You do get them at home, but that's a returning quarterback, You know, an, an offense that, that has some weapons there. Uh, that's another team that I think could make a push for uh, second in the East. You know, I, I think it's, a, it's probably Kentucky, Missouri, and Florida battling for second in the East, but I think any one of those teams could give Georgia trouble. I wouldn't predict a loss for Georgia in any of those games. Uh, But but if you know if I'm setting the line for Georgia, I'm not setting it at 12. I'm setting it at I I would if I'm guessing projecting a record, I would project 11 and one, Mm -hmm. uh, likeliest loss coming to Clemson. But if they don't slip up, if they if they beat Clemson, Georgia fans are going to be expecting 12 and 0, and and that's not necessarily a given.
0: Give me, let's go two maybe three keys for Georgia to go 12 and 0. And let's get through the season, win the SEC title, and win two more games to you know, hold their first national championship trophy since 1980, Palmer. In your opinion, in your expert opinion, I'll give you that. What are two to three things that have to happen here in 2021? Maybe it's a certain player stepping up. What is something that you need to see from your vantage point that shows hey, this team is gonna win a national championship?
1: Yeah, I think I think offensively you've got to get the tight ends involved. Yeah. I think with the talent that Georgia has in that tight end room, uh, we'll include Eric Gilbert because he's a tight end by trait, but going to be playing wide receiver for Georgia. Um, he, incredibly talented guy. Darnell Washington, obviously he's banged up and questionable for that opener, but like we said, the season is bigger than September 4th, and, and he's going to be a factor for Georgia down the stretch. Such a big physical guy that he's hard for defenses to bring down. You've got to get the ball in his hands. John Fitzpatrick is a guy that's been around the block and and knows, you know knows knows what to do. Uh, mm-hmm. You know I think he's more than likely in there for run blocking purposes. But he he caught a touchdown last year, so there's no nothing stopping him from being a factor in the passing game this year. And then Brock Bowers is a guy that you bring in from California very incredibly talented guy, dynamic player reminds me just watching the way that they used him in that spring scrimmage uh, earlier in during, at the end of spring practice on G day, he reminds me of Isaac Nata in a way, and and the way that they moved Nata around the backfield, motioned him around. He wasn't just a hand in the dirt guy. You can split him out. You can, you know, motion him around. You can get him the ball on a, on a jet sweep if you wanted to. And so, you know, I, I think, if Georgia wants to get to where they want to get to, they've got to get the tight ends involved offensively, and I, and I think that you know, like we said, there's there's tons of depth in that wide receiver room, uh, but you you know that that gives J T Daniels another option of someone that he can throw to, especially in a checkdown situation. So I think getting those tight ends involved uh, is is certainly something that is um in the plans. You know, having talked to some people around the program, some recruits that have. That have been in meetings with Todd Munkin and stuff, they want to get these tight ends involved. They know that they've got incredible talents and in, in that room. It's just a matter of actually doing it. So I think for me, offensively getting the tight ends involved. Uh defensively, I think it, it comes down to the, the secondary growing up. I think, like we said, there's there's not as many questions. You know what you've got along that defensive line, you know what you've got. Uh, and in Nicobe Dean, you, you feel very confident in, in Quay Walker and Channing Tindall, two guys that have played big roles for Georgia the last couple of seasons, are stepping into bigger roles, but, but you feel confident in their capability of doing that. You, mm-hmm. you, I mean, you even feel confident in the capability of Adam Anderson and Nolan Smith to rush the passer. They've got huge shoes to fill in Aziz o, with Aziz Jelari leaving, but you feel confident in their capability to do that. And Anderson finished in the top five in the SEC in sacks last year, and he wasn't even Georgia's number one guy. He, he was splitting time with Nolan Smith, Azizo Delario, Jermaine Johnson. You you got to feel that with more opportunities, those two guys are going to come into their own. So there's not as many questions in the front seven to me. It's it's you know the questions are in the secondary, and it's you know how those guys are going to gel. You've got so many new faces back there. I think having the two safeties be guys that are experienced in returning is huge because they they are the communicators. They are in charge of relaying the calls from one sideline to the other and making sure that they see everything. It's all in front of them. And so they can make sure that someone is in place, whether that's Tyke Smith at star or Latavius Brini at star or Amir Speed or Jalen Kimber or Keely Ringo at corner or Darian Kendrick on the opposite side at corner there's there's a lot of new pieces and they they've got to gel and and really you want to see that early to give Georgia a legitimate chance against Clemson uh and and they're they're going to be tested but what better way to learn than than you know facing the probably the best offense you'll see all season i mean you know it, let's say Georgia does you know have have some tr- trouble against Clemson you've got the film to go and learn and the opportunity to go and learn for the next 11 games like we said it's the season it doesn't start it's it starts in charlotte but it doesn't end in charlotte mm-hmm. win or lose and and so you you've got to take what you get out of that clemson game as a learning experience good or bad and and build upon that because georgia can't be the same team september 4th as they are december 4th I don't know the date of the SEC championship game, but you know whether it whether that Georgia's in it or whether they're going to a you know college football playoff setting or a or New Year's Six bowl game. They they've got to grow as a team, and and to me defensively that starts and ends in the secondary. And then I think this is just a given. You got to stay healthy. You you, yeah. you can't see uh you know you can't see Georgia getting hurt. Um you know very key players getting hurt. They've got depth, so they can withstand a you know, some bumps and bruises, but staying healthy makes it just so much easier when, when you've got your top end guys out there and you're not having to replace them. Now, is that realistic? Probably not. You're playing a physical sec schedule and guys are going to get, you know, nicked up and stuff. And so Georgia's, George has got to be able to have guys step up in those situations and, and then get back as soon as they can, you know, go through the rehab process, go, you know, go through all the proper channels to get healthy and stay healthy. Um, I think that's very important at the quarterback position because we saw what Georgia, you know, we saw the question mark that quarterback was last year and we saw the answer that JT Daniels provided down the stretch. You don't really want to, you know, have to turn away from JT Daniels. So you, you want to see the offensive line protecting him. You want to see those offensive linemen staying healthy so that you don't have to be, you know, figuring out a new rotation. You want to see the receivers staying healthy so that the chemistry that JT has built up with those guys is is you know valid and and you know worthwhile you want to see the running backs stay healthy because like we said george is going to ground and pound it, and it's physical and and you you know you got to have those guys and then in the secondary you know defensively you, you want the front seven guys to be healthy because they're the heart and your soul of your defense and you want the guys in the secondary to be healthy because hopefully for george's sake they're going to be building up you know chemistry back there in their own right and and you know continuing to grow and so you know you don't want to have any you don't you don't want to have any stunts in your growth uh you know with an injury here or there it's going to happen you but you got to get back on the field and you got to you know do anything you can to avoid putting yourself in a situation where you're going to get injured
0: consistency and execution i think that's going to be the biggest thing having consistency among guys staying in certain rotations and then obviously executing not a lack of talent we know that it's just been trying to get over that hump, Palmer. We appreciate you coming on previewing the dogs. I know you're ready to get to go. We're, what, nine days away from this recording date of week zero. Uh, there's there's some okay games. It'll be enough to suffice to get me through for the next week, but uh, we appreciate you coming on, man. Are you going to be in Clemson, and where can people follow you for uh, all the updates regarding the latest Georgia news?
1: Yes, I will be in Charlotte for that game. Really looking forward to it. At the, just ready to get back into a – normalcy of, of full stadiums and and incredible college football atmospheres. Uh, and and you can find all my work over on Dogs247 and on social media at Palmer
0: Toms. Palmer, we appreciate your time, man. Best of luck to you. Have fun this season. I know you're excited to uh, to get back to some sense of normalcy with, uh, with covering. Hopefully the Zoom interviews will stop soon. I know George has been doing some of those. You're ready to talk to some players one-on-one. We appreciate your time, man, and thanks as always. Thanks for listening. If you'd like this episode and want to hear more, make sure to catch us on Apple Podcast and Anchor. Subscribe, set up those alerts, so when a new podcast drops every single Friday, you can be the first to know. Also, make sure to follow us on all social media at The Crowded Booth. That's Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Also, make sure to follow our YouTube page, The Crowded Booth. Subscribe, set up those post notifications as we go live every Monday and Wednesday at 7 p.m. Eastern. Last but not least, sign up for our free newsletter. Yes, completely free at thecrowdedbooth.com today as we give you the latest sports news happening around the Chattahoochee Valley area, regional and national stories. Have a fantastic day.